So uh, I've been, uh, my talks lately have been on The Way of the Bodhisattva. It's a wonderful book. You can actually get it in a PDF file by looking up Way of the Bodhisattva. It's a whole book. You don't have to pay a dime for it, although it, otherwise it costs $16. You can, you can get it off the internet. Uh, and it's a wonderful book. Basically, I'll, I'll, what I'll do today is review a little bit about what I've talked about before. Then we'll go into chapter three, and then we'll all say this together. I'll give a little bit of an explanation to it. I'll read it once and give a little bit of an explanation, and then we'll read it together. I think, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. So um, one of the things we always like to do before we get started is to sort of direct our motivation and uh, figure out why we're here. Um, ultimately, it's hopefully uh, to benefit other beings. So uh, we take refuge uh, and, um, and bodhicitta here in the very beginning. So if you'll join me, if you can, if you don't, just uh, make a, a mode, figure out what your motivation is and sort of recite that to yourself. Sanje chudang soki chodnam la Janchu badu daidni kapsuchi Dagi jin soji pe sonanki Drola pinchir sanje druparsho Sanje chudang soki chodnam la Janchu badu daidni kapsuchi Dagi jinso jipe sonamki Drola pinchir sanje druparsho Sanje chudang soki chodnam la Janchu badu dagni kapsuchi Dagi jinso jipe sonamki Drola pinchir sanje drupa So uh, in the 8th century, I felt the name of Shanti Deva, a saint uh, from the 8th century, a Buddhist saint, he wrote uh, a beautiful uh, little verse, uh, verse uh, a book, you might call it, about the most important aspect of our Buddhist practice. And the most important, the essence of the Buddhist teaching is that we go, we want to be enlightened for the benefit of all beings. So bodhicitta, which is what he's talking about here, is key to everything we do. Because without bodhicitta, we'll never achieve awakening. In the first chapter of this book, bodhicitta was described as like lightning in a summer sky during a storm. It's like brief, striking, and then it's gone. And what I said about that when I first talked about that is that if you look at our daily life, most of our thoughts are uh, neutral or negative. I mean, think about what did you think about before you got here this morning? 
what all kinds of thoughts. I was driving from Zanesville and all I could think about was the fog. It was really bad. So an awful lot of our thoughts are either negative or neutral. And Shanti Deva points out this thought, this beautiful, amazing thought that I want to awaken for the benefit of others is so precious, so beautiful. And that this thought is the essence of all of our practice. You will notice that there is not, to my knowledge, not a practice we do that doesn't begin with refuge and bodhicitta. Every practice begins, and there's a good reason for that. Because it's so important. Well, how do we, get, how do we make this arise in our minds? There's lots of ways. But basically, it's about purifying the karma and the obscurations our mind has. And I've talked about that over the last couple of weeks, months, I should say. We can do things like when we wake up in the morning, offer our day uh, for the benefit of all beings, to the Buddhas and to the benefit of all beings. We could do that. That's a simple, easy practice each of us could do. Things like when we come into the shrine room, making prostrations, an easy thing we can do. The other thing we can do is we can make confession. As I said the last time I was here, confession means nothing more, nothing less than saying, this is where I am right now, and look at me, regard me, Bodhi, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, and, and, and witness to my confession that this is where I am, but this is where I want to go. I want to go to become more enlightened, to be awakened. So these thoughts, these actions on our part lead us to be able to hold this idea of awake, awakening for the benefit of all beings in our minds. It's, it's called purification. One of the biggest defects of beginners, and I consider myself a beginner, one of the biggest defects we have is not to realize how important purification is. I want to get to the good stuff. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I remember, and, uh, I remember in retreat, there was this uh, retreatant who went to Rinpoche and said, basically, I've been doing Mahamudra and I want you to help me out with that. And uh, I have to tell a little secret, I was right next to the confessional. <laughs> you might say. I was hit. Rinpoche was in the room next to mine when he was talking. And he was very stern. Uh, with this retreat and said, you'll get Mahamudra after you do a lot of other preliminary kind of work on this. We as beginners don't like some of the things that we, we want to get to quote the good stuff, not realizing all this other stuff is amazingly wonderful practice. I could go on with that thought and tell you that the next thing, once we sometimes engage in these practices, we fail to get the blessing of the lineage. We sort of go off on our own and that's the end of it. We don't go back to the Lama and get the blessing of the lineage uh, as we do the practices. And what happens as a result of that is that we wind up sort of a shell of what we might otherwise be had we done purification and gotten the blessing of the lineage through our teachers. I'll get off my soapbox there. But I, I, I do think we fail many times to realize how important uh, making prostrations, doing confession, there's by a PDF 
uh, on Lama Kathy's uh, site that I believe has confession in it. And there's a practice to that that she would, I'm sure, be glad to teach anyone that wanted to do it. All these things are to open our minds up. We call it merit, but it's just basically opening our minds up to this wondrous thought that I'm going to awaken and I'm going to do it for the benefit of all beings. So that's a sort of a basic summary of what I've talked about up to this point. So now we're going to the third chapter and you have it there and you can sort of follow along with me. So I'll read it myself once and, and sort of go over some of the things about it. Then we'll say it all together. With joy, I celebrate the virtue that relieves all beings from the sorrows of the states of loss. You know, states of animals, hungry ghosts, hell realms. So, and exalting in the happy states enjoyed by those who yet are suffering. What's that mean? That means that even realms higher than humans, God realms and the demigod realms, they all suffer there too. Samsara is suffering from the highest to the lowest realm in samsara. Everybody's suffering. Why do the gods suffer? Well, they suffer the pain of change. And they say that at that point where they're just about used up all their godlike karma, they have enormous regret. So everybody in samsara is suffering. So, I, so with joy I celebrate the virtue that relieves all beings from the sorrows of the states of loss, exalting in the happy states enjoyed by those who yet are suffering. I revel in the stores of virtue cause of gaining the enlightened state and celebrate the freedom won by living beings from the rounds of pain. That's, you know, that would be those that have uh, gone beyond suffering. And that's sort of a Hinayana view. And in the Buddhahood of the protectors I delight and in the grounds of realization of the Buddhas and their heirs. Now we're, we're taking the frame of reference of, a, of the uh, Mahayana and saying Buddhahood. And I delight in what they have realized and what they've realized most basically is emptiness. Their enlightened attitude, an ocean of great good that seeks to place all beings in the state of bliss and every action for the benefit of beings, such is my delight and joy. This delighting in, in other people's virtue is the easiest and simplest way, and I hate to say it this way, but the lazy man's way, <laughs> of gaining virtue. Simply by seeing someone do something good and saying, I rejoice in that. That creates an openness, merit on our part. Anytime, so anytime you see it, day or night, you can gain merit. Why is that so? Well, uh, most often, I'm talking about myself, I'm projecting a lot here. On my part, when I see something good, I, I sort of think, well, gee, I wish I'd done that. Or maybe they, they had a bad motivation, or they, they really didn't mean it the way I think I'm seeing it right now. So counteracting that sort of instinctual way of approaching when we see something good, to really rejoice about it opens our hearts, makes us more likely at some point or another to really be able to say, I want to awaken for the benefit of all beings. And so I join my hands and pray, the Buddhas who reside in every quarter, kindle now the Dharma's light for those who grope bewildered in the dark of pain. So here I'm asking or requesting that, that the Buddhas uh, teach us. Why? 
because otherwise we're going to hold a lot of false views, personal views, things that um, I think are true but not. So I'm asking the Buddhas to teach and to never be separated from that truth. I join my hands beseeching the enlightened ones who wish to pass into nirvana. Do not leave us wandering in blindness. Stay among us for unnumbered ages. Why do we want them to stay? So that they can explain what it is we shouldn't do and what we shouldn't do. We just gave, this is sort of like the seven branch prayer that we just said. Through these actions now performed and all the virtues I have gained, may all the pain of every living being be wholly scattered and destroyed. So basically there we're dedicating our virtue. Anytime we do something we think uh, might be helpful or virtuous, offer it, offer it up, give it. There's another way. So there's all kinds of practices we can do, little things during the day that make us more open to our ultimate awakening. So you see somebody else does something good, rejoice in it. When you do something good, Dedicate it. Offer it. Don't keep it. And it's, it's this whole idea of like, it's mine. I did it. You just give it up. It's just an action. You give it up. For all those ailing in the world, until their every sickness has been healed, may I myself become for them the doctor, the nurse, the medicine itself. So, the, you know, Shanti Deva is saying that the Buddha said that it's sort of a rule that we care for those less fortunate ourselves, those that are ill. That's, that's an important thing to do. Raining down a flood of food and drink, may I dispel the ills of thirst and famine. And in the eons marked by scarcity and want, may I myself appear as drink and sustenance. For sentient beings poor and destitute, may I become a treasure ever plentiful and lie before them closely in their reach. So I'm accessible. A varied source of all that they might need. So in the, that uh, verse 9, when he's talking about scarcity and want, it's about, a, if you look in the... Uh, index is basically about the Indian conception of, uh, of time, that there are periods of scarcity and want. But the important thing here is that we become more open to awakening as a result of being helpful both in a spiritual as well as a temporal way. That opens us up to awakening. And as I said before, to lie before them closely in their reach means I'm accessible. We're looking for opportunities to be helpful to those around us. And if we really understand everybody suffers, so there's every opportunity every time we meet somebody to be helpful. But the key is here, I have to lie before them closely in their reach. My body thus and all my goods besides and all my merits gained and to be gained, I give them all and do not count the cost to bring about the benefit of beings. So we want to develop a generous attitude. Now, that verse 11, don't go home and try to do this. He will say later, later on, it's step by step. And it is step by step. That means, that's good news and bad news. That means where I am right now, 
but it means taking the next step beyond where you're at right now. It means if you're if you find that it's difficult to be accessible to other people, that's where you are right now, that's there. But the next step, step by step, I'm going to be accessible to others, to be helpful. And he says that he's going to surrender his body, his possessions, and everything. Again, He's, make, he's like up on top of the mountain and he's looking and he's telling us what he sees. We're not up at that mountain. And so we have to climb. So we can't offer all of our body, all of our possessions and everything right now. That's not what we're called to do. But we are, and Shanti Davis asking us to, to start climbing the mountain. Nirvana is attained by giving all. Nirvana is the object of my striving, and all must be surrendered in a single instant. In other words, when I die, it's going to be offered anyway. Therefore, it is best to give it all to others. So, you know, you've heard this teaching many times before. At death, you take nothing with you. Nothing with you. Every time I say that, I think of my sainted grandmother, who, uh, who's a wonderful Catholic who said many, many prayers. And, but she had a pocketbook that she kept. All, she was a depression from the Depression, so she didn't trust banks. So she, this is literally true, she kept $30,000 in her pocketbook that she carried all over town. This is you know, way back. And she would say, and she would always say when she was talking to us after her prayer, she would always say, and you can't take it with you. But the way she clutched her purse, I sort of thought she, <laughs> maybe she <laughs> thought she could. We all have this salt in our mind, you know, that maybe, you know, we hold on to stuff. You know, it's like solid, real, and substantial. We hold on to it. Like my grandmother holding her $30,000. But at death, she sure had to give it all up. We didn't know she had $30,000 in person until after the funeral. <laughs> she didn't take it with her. <laughs> All must be surrendered in a single instant, death. Therefore, it is best to give it all to others. This, I'm going to go off the subject just for a minute, but this death, this, this idea of death is really... Um, got me thinking lately. I have to give a talk, and I have yet, I'm going to have to talk with Lama Kathy about how to give it, but a talk uh, about uh, death and dying. And I thought about this, and uh, one of the things that came to my mind is death is like an event. Uh, dying is like a process, and dying is what we're doing every day. And uh, the wise person recognizes that and starts preparing now. And how do we prepare? It is best to give it all to others now. You have, you're gonna have to give it up no matter what. You're gonna have to. So step by step right now, start giving it up. Giving up your body, giving up your mind, giving your heart to other people. That's a step-by-step -step process. This body I have, I have now resigned to serve the pleasure of all living beings. Let them ever kill, despise, and beat it, using it according to their wishes. Well, you know, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. But we can start right now giving up this idea that our body is only for us to control. We can start now doing that. Little, little steps. I go into hospital rooms. Uh, I, I volunteer. And I frequently, when my day is like really screwy and I'm, my mind's sort of distracted, 
I've made this practice. I stop before I enter that room and say, right now, whatever was problematic for me, I'm going to drop. And I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to try to be there for that person. It's a practice. I'm not always good at it, by the way, but it's a practice. That's sort of like a mini death. It's sort of dying to yourself, dying to all your worries, anxieties, and concerns. So that's a practice you can do. You have a, a big meeting coming up and you have to talk with someone that you find unpleasant or difficult. Just drop it for a moment and just, instead of being so solid, real, just be an action, an action of love, of compassion. The body I have now resigned to serve the pleasure of all living beings, let them ever kill, despise, and beat it, use it according to their wish. And though they treat it like a toy or make of it the butt of every mockery, my body has been given up to them. Why should I make so, so much of it? So if I give my body up, why should I be so concerned about it all the time? That's one of the biggest things all of us have to work on, is we, this body as being so real, substantial, and there's practices within uh, our lineage to work on that. But it's like that. So... And so let all, <clears throat> start again. And so let beings do to me whatever does not bring them injury, whether they may think, whatever they may think of me, let this not fail to bring them benefit. So whether they like me or dislike me, it doesn't matter. And they can do whatever they want. This is Shanti Davis speaking, okay? Not me. Let them do what they want with me, it doesn't matter as long as they don't hurt themselves. You don't want someone to hurt you and thereby hurt themselves, right? You don't want that to happen. And if in my regard they have a thought of anger or respect, may the state always be the cause whereby their good and wishes are fulfilled. Now, I, I, I had some problem, and I haven't found the commentary for this one particular thought, but I'll share with you what I think. And that is, if they have a thought of anger about me, how does that, how could that be to their good? I don't know. But I think sometimes when someone does something wrong to a person, and then they recollect at some point later that they've done something wrong, it's sort of like a conversion kind of experience. You can say, oh my God, I really did. And we've seen that in prisons with people who've done some really horrible things, but they have purified that karma. And as a result, they're more awakened. So I guess what I think I would want is that if someone is angry or treats me badly, that, that even that would ultimately result in their awakening. Again, that's a really high thought. <laughs> We're not there yet. All those who slight me to my face or do me some other evil, even if they blame or slander me, may they attain the fortune of enlightenment. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless. So the wretched of this world who are powerless, may I protect them. A guide for those who journey on the road. For those who wish to cross the water, may I be a boat, a raft, a bridge, whatever it they need to get where they're gone, may I be that for them. We all go into situations. I was a social worker for 30 years. And we'd go into situations with a preconceived notion of exactly what I was going to do and what, it, you know, what, what I was going to say. And Shani Davis saying, no, you got to be the boat or the raft or the bridge or whatever they need, not what you project on them as thinking they need. 
if when we are around people that need our help, if our dialogue were only about 50% of what we normally do and, and instead listen, we might, we might be that bridge, that raft, that boat. But we all have these ideas of what it is, uh, how we help people. May I be an aisle for those who yearn for land, a lamb for those who long for light, for those who need a resting place, a bed, for those who need a servant, may I be their slave. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of wealth, a word of power and the supreme healing. May I be the tree of miracles, a tree that gives everything, whatever a person needs. For every being, the abundant cow, you know, give milk, if that's what you need, I'll be, I'll be your cow. Just like that, the earth and space itself and all the other mighty elements for boundless multitudes of beings, may I always be the ground of life. In other words, if I'm the earth, I would provide you with support. If I were water, I would provide you with the cohesion you need. If I'm the wind, I would help you stave off decay. And if I were space, I would hold you. So all the elements, I would be anything you want. If it's the elements, I'll be the elements for you. Just like the earth and space itself and all the other mighty elements for boundless multitudes of being, may I always be the ground of life. Thus, for everything that lives as far as the limits of sky, may I be constantly their source of livelihood until they pass beyond all sorrow. So here's the other thing, and this is how boundless. He's saying, it, it, I'm here till the last dog's called. I'm here to the last person who reaches awakening. I'll be here for you. That's how vast his time frame is. We haven't got there yet. Right? I keep saying that. So I don't want you to get discouraged. But it's a step-by-step -step thing, right? But take the next step. Just as all the Buddhas of the past have brought forth the awakened mind and in the precepts of the Bodhisattvas, here's the thing, step by step abode and trained. Likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will bring to birth the awakened mind and in the, those precepts, step by step, get the point here? <laughs> I will abide and train myself. And again, what that means is I start where I have the capacity. I often find, and I found this to be true when I began this Dharma path 20 years ago with Lama Kathy. I had this exalted view of where I thought I was at that time, not to say what I thought I would <laughs> achieve. And uh, 20 years later, I still realize how much I don't know, how much further I have to go. Parenthetically, I would say right here, one of the most important things of anyone who is on this Mahayana path is take an interest. Take an interest in the, in the practices and the teachings, read books, do all those kind of things. A teacher cannot is unable, the Buddha is unable to do it for you. You gotta show an interest yourself. Uh, I was talking to Lama Kathy a couple of weeks, well, maybe a week ago, and I was saying as a social worker, my social work teacher told me, she, she said to me, you know, Tom, if you're working harder than you, the person you're trying to help, you're working too hard. So, Lama Kathy can give you practices and things to do. But if you don't take an interest in it, if you don't do it, it's not going to help. Sitting here listening to talks is a good thing. But if you don't take it home and think about it 
and see how I can actually put it into practice. This is a good thing, listening, but it's not enough. It won't lead to your liberation. It won't lead to your awakening. And it won't lead to your being ultimately really helpful to other beings. Those who thus with clear intelligence take hold of the awakened mind. Here we go. We want to take hold of this. We have this aspiration, but let's take hold of it. Take hold of the awakened mind with bright and lucid joy that they may now increase what they have gained should lift their hearts with praises such as these. So now that we have taken hold of this beautiful thought to be and, and taken some action in that direction, we can rejoice. And this is a part of the actual bodhisattva vow. And it's beautiful. Today, my life has given fruit. Your life has given fruit. It means no longer are you, and I sometimes feel like I'm a stone that weighs people down, you know? I feel that sometimes. You probably do too. I'm really in the way of things. But he's saying now, I'm not a stone that weights people down, but I'm a boat that's going to take people to enlightenment. And so I can rejoice about that. I can be happy. This human state has now been well assumed. Today, I take my birth in Buddha's line and have become the Buddha's child and heir by taking this vow that I will awaken for the benefit of all beings. The Buddha will call you his child and you are his heir. In every way, then, I will undertake activities befitting such a rank, and I will do no act to mar or compromise this high and faultless lineage. For I am like a blind man that has found a precious gem inside a heap of dust. Blind men generally are not going to, be, or women are not going to be able to find a jewel that's hidden in the, in the dirt. But we are like that. We are like blind who now, because we have this thought, are way, on our way to awakening. And so it is, by some strange chance, well, it's not, he's saying chance, but it's not, as we pointed out, it's not really chance, is it? It's the result of our being opened by our acts of purification. That's how we, uh, we are born into this thought of bodhicitta. That bodhicitta has been born to me. This is the supreme draft of immortality that slays the Lord of Death. Well, the Lord of Death is not, is not a person. It's a personification. It's the idea of that. So this is the supreme draft of immortality that's, that uh, slays the Lord of Death, the slaughter of beings, the rich unfailing treasure mine to heal the poverty of wanderers. It is the sovereign remedy, this thought of bodhicitta, is the sovereign remedy that perfectly allays all maladies, so it ends all of our suffering. It is the tree that gives relief to those who wander wearily the paths of existence. It is the universal bridge that saves all wandering beings from the states of loss, lower realms here we're talking about the rising moon of the enlightened mind that soothes the sorrows born of the afflictions. So here he's saying, it's like our, and if you, you feel this, when you get angry, it's hot. When our afflictions occur, there's uh, sort of a feeling of hotness. And he's saying, this thought of bodhicitta is like the moon and cools our, uh, our uh, afflictions. It's, it's like Okay. It is the mighty sun that utterly dispels the misty ignorance of wandering beings. In other words, our ignorance is like darkness. And this thought is like the sun that, that illuminates our ignorance. We're almost to the end here. 
the creamy butter rich and full that churned from milk of holy teaching. So it's like um, the essence of the Buddha's words. And um, it is churned uh, out of the teachings. It's like the milk and the butter that's churned out of the milk. And the milk is like the teachings. Living beings, wayfarers upon life's path, who wish to taste the riches of contentment, here, therefore, you is the supreme bliss. Here, O oh, ceaseless travelers, is your fulfillment. And so today, within the sight of all protectors, I summon beings, calling them to Buddhahood. Until that state is reached to every earthly joy, may gods and demigods and all the rest rejoice. So um, I hope you're catching this idea of how beautiful this thought of being in service to others, both spiritually and temporally. And I hope you get some idea of the work you need to do to get there. I know I've got a lot of work to do to purify all the karma from not only this life, but like all the lifetimes from the past. They still impinge on me today. So I got a lot of purification to do. And the only thought, I, the final thought I want to leave you with is it's step by step. And as I said before, and I repeat again, it is good news and bad news. It is recognizing where we are right now. And the more difficult news is, and we have to make that next step. One of the greatest obstacles to our spiritual path is our apathy. Our sort of saying, well, you know, this is good enough. Shadi Deva is pointing out something very beautiful for all of us to look at. This desire to be a benefit to other beings. And through the practice of virtue that we'll talk about in the coming chapters, we, we get there. It's possible. The idea of bodhicitta is something that we have to keep over and over saying in our mind because, and we repeat it so many times in so many ways. Every time we do a practice, we do refuge in bodhicitta. And it's like, I, someone described it this way. We might have this beautiful thought, sort of like uh, a molten rock that comes out of a volcano, this beautiful thought that we're going, but by the time it rolls down the hill, it's cold and it's a rock. So we have to keep doing this. We have to keep generating this idea that I really want to be a benefit to others because when you go out here today, there's going to be 10,000 reasons why you can't. And we're always going to say it's somebody else's fault, right? And of course, Lojong teaching says, now you have to look at yourself. So why don't we, what time we got? We got five minutes? Might not be able to have many questions or discussion, but let's read it all, all of this uh, together ourselves. And you can, by the way, you can take this home with you. With joy, I celebrate the virtue that relieves all beings from the sorrows of the states of loss, exulting in the happy states enjoyed by those who yet suffer. I revel in the stores of virtue, cause of gaining the enlightened state. I celebrate the freedom won by living beings from the rounds of pain. And in the Buddhahood of the protectors, I delight and in the grounds of realization of the Buddha's heirs, their enlightened attitude, an ocean of great good that seeks to place all beings in the state of bliss 
and every action for the benefit of beings. Such is my delight and joy. And so I join my hands and pray, the Buddhas who reside in every quarter, kindle now the Dharma's light for those who grow bewildered in the dark of pain. I join my hands beseeching the enlightened ones who wish to pass into nirvana. Do not leave us wandering in blindness. Stay among us. Through these actions now performed and all the virtues I have gained, may all the pain of every living being be wholly scattered and destroyed for those, those ailing in the world until their every sickness has been healed. May I myself become for them the doctor, nurse, and the medicine itself. Raining down the flood of food and drink, may I dispel the ills of thirst and famine. And in the ends marked by scarcity and want, may I myself appear as drink and sustenance. For sentient beings poor and destitute, May I become a treasure ever plentiful and lie before them closely in their reach and varied source of all that they might want. My body thus and all my goods besides and all my merits gained and to be gained, I give them all and do not count the cost to bring about the benefit of beings. Nirvana is attained by giving all Nirvana is the object of my striving, and all must be surrendered in a single instant. Therefore, it is best to give it all to others. The body I have now resigned to serve the pleasure of all living beings. Let them ever kill, despise, and beat it, using it according to their wish. And though they treat it like a toy or make of it the butt of every mockery, my body has been given up to them. Why should I make so much of it? And so let me, whatever does not bring them injury, whenever they may think of me, let this not fail to bring them benefit. And if in my regard they have a thought of anger or disrespect, may these states always be the cause whereby their good and wishes are fulfilled. And all those who slight me to my face or do to me some other evil, even if they blame or slander me, may they attain the fortune of enlightenment. May I be a guard for those who are protectors, a guide for those who journey on the road, for those who wish to cross the water. May I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an isle for those who yearn for land, a lamp for those who long for light, for all who need a resting place, a bed, for those who need a servant, may I be their slave. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of wealth, a word of power and the supreme healing. May I be the tree of miracles for every Just like that, the earth space itself and all the other mighty elements. For boundless multitudes of beings, may I always be the ground of life, the source of varied substance. Thus, for everything that lives, as far as the limits of the sky, may I be constantly their source of livelihood until they pass beyond all sorrow, just as all the Buddhas of the past have brought forth the awakened mind and in the precepts of the bodhisattvas, step by step abode and trained. Likewise, for the benefit of beings, I will bring to birth the awakened mind. And to those step by step, I will abide and train myself. Those who thus with clear intelligence take hold of the awakened mind with bright and lucid joy, that they may now increase what they have gained should lift their hearts with praises such as these. Today my life has given fruit. This human state has now been well assumed. Today I take my birth in Buddha's line and have become the Buddha's child and heir. 
In every way, then, I will undertake activities befitting such a rank, and I will do no act to mar or compromise this high and faultless lineage. For I am like a blind man who has found a precious gem inside a heap of dust. For so it is by some strange chance that Bodhicitta has been born in me. This is the supreme draft of immortality that slays the Lord of death, the slaughter of beings, the rich, unfailing treasure mine to heal the poverty of one. It is the sovereign remedy that perfectly allays all maladies. It is the tree that gives relief to those who wander wearily the pathways of existence. It is the universal bridge that saves all wandering beings from the states of loss, the rising moon of the enlightened mind that soothes the sorrows born of the afflictions. It is the mighty sun that utterly dispels the misty ignorance of wandering beings, the creamy butter, rich and full, that churned from milk of holy teaching, healing beings, wonders, who wish to taste the riches of contentment. Here before you is the supreme bliss. Here, O oh, ceaseless travelers, is your fulfillment. And so today, within the sight of all protectors, I summon beings, calling them to Buddhahood. Until that state is reached, to every earthly joy, may gods and demigods and all the rest rejoice. It's uh, 12.30. So um, why don't we, instead of uh, asking questions or stuff like that, just, um, this is the start of a new year, and sort of resolve in your mind that you'll grow uh, in this desire to awaken and that you will perform actions that will lead you to that awakening and that all of this is done for the benefit of all beings. And uh, as a start for that, offer up the good of your being here today and all that you've accomplished here today for the benefit of all beings. So let's just quietly uh, in a relaxed state make that dedication. Thank you, and Happy New Year. <laughs>